It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Thank you so much for being with us. I'm Paul Dottino. He is Super Bowl champion, part of Jeff Fiegel's. We're going to be with you for the next hour to talk Giants football at 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. You can also go to Twitter if you're bashful and find us on hashtag Giants Chat and communicate with us there. You'll also be able to find an archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere at Giants.com slash podcast. I am at Giants WFAN. He is at Jay Fiegels. Hello, hello, Jeff. Hello, Paul Dottino. We are Doing getting good. very close to kickoff. This is crazy. As tomorrow, <laughs> Thursday night football returns, and the Giants and the Washington football team will go at it at a FedEx field. Uh, what we do know is that uh, following yesterday's walkthrough practice for the Giants, uh, they'll be getting prepared to leave this afternoon to head down to D.C. Uh, we do not yet know if Evan Ingram will be a go. Uh, we do believe that Saquon Barkley, after the way he discussed things with the media yesterday, it does appear like he will be in for the second straight game despite the short week. Did say he was a bit tired and a bit sore, but that was to be expected because he hadn't really done much during training camp. <laughs> Yeah, this is kind of unfortunate that this game is on a Thursday, but there are some good parts of it. You get that Thursday game out of the way. I, I just I hated them playing. Um, so this is a that's the good part of it. The rest is what guys need, um, especially Saquon. But listen, I mean, with with all things considered, I mean, um, he looks pretty good. So I think that he's just going to get more healthier as it goes and gets in more game shape. Uh, with Evan Ingram, yeah, could the team use him? Of course they could. Uh, anytime that you can use one of your star players, that's that's a good thing. But we'll see what happens here. I don't know. Um, obviously, if he's making the trip down, that'll basically tell us yes or no. But, you know, this one kind of creeps up on you, Paul, when you think about how quickly this game is. I mean, I'm looking at today. Today's already Wednesday. Schmelk's got the rundown for the uh, for the show already out. I mean, I'm like, what is going on here? This is like this is like lightning speed. The next thing you know, we're, we've got a game tomorrow. So uh, a lot of things to consider, a lot of things to talk about. I'm um, looking forward to, to uh, answering some phone calls today and moving forward. Well, when you look at both sides of the coin, the positives and the negatives of playing this game so soon on a Thursday night, to me, the only negative is that Saquon Barkley doesn't have a whole week to rest up following his 11 touches against the Broncos. I think that's the only negative because the positives are it's a close game which is an easy train ride. You know, you're not flying across country to Los Angeles or, or Arizona or Seattle yep, or even Kansas City, right? Yep, so 100%. that's a positive. The other positive is the weather is good, mm-hmm. so you're not, you're not going into stormy weather. Uh, the other positive is it's September, so you're not totally drained and physically battered and beaten up like you would be in November and December. So to play on the short week is probably not as much of an impact as it would be later in the season. Well, for all those factors, yeah. I mean, and as far as timing goes and preparation, you know, a lot of these coaches, for people that don't know, they're they're working one game in advance. So they're they're already working on next week's game preparation, even though that they have a game tomorrow night. And that's and and when you go back to last week, the Denver preparation, they were definitely working on football, on Washington football team too. So um, you got to get you got to get the information to the players quickly because of the turnaround. And these guys got to get in the in the meeting rooms and they got to get. Um, on their iPads and start studying things. So, but yeah, I mean, uh, the things that you, I'll tell you what, I know you guys, um, the whole travel thing is kind of crazy with COVID, but in an ordinary uh, season, you know, traveling down on the train, that's the best way to go. And, and for, for the teams like New York and the people that are in the Northeast that get to do it a lot, it's really a nice trip. I mean, it goes fast. It's it's comfortable. You can move around. And I think that helps the players, to be honest with you. Rather than being cooped up in an airplane for three or four hours, I think the train is a great way to go and relax. I agree with you, Jeff. I, I love taking the train when they uh, go on these short trips. I have two other positives to throw onto the barbecue as well. Number <laughs> one, on the short week, you're playing a team that you already know a lot about. I mean, there have been changes yeah, since last, last year. year. Well, beat them five times in a row and seven out of the last nine. But 
even though there have been changes on both rosters since then, there are a bunch of matchups that are identical to what they were last year. So it's not like you have to study, let's just say, the Denver Broncos on Thursday. Yeah, It's a lot easier on sure. short time to study a rival in your division. So that's also a plus. Yeah. And if you want one more plus, one more plus to throw onto that grill, well, you get rid of that stinky stench from Sunday's loss to the Broncos. Yeah, you got to move on. That's that's uh, that's one thing. I mean, in normal in normal today's the first day of practice in a normal week, and you know I think you still have that little hangover still hanging around on a Wednesday a little bit. But you can't you can't uh, look at that anymore. You got to look forward to to this game. And by the way, it's a division game. By the way, it's a you got Dallas coming up in a few weeks. But that's it. Then all of a sudden you don't have division games until the end of the season. So you want to get a head start on this division matchups and the division record because um, you never know how those things are going to play out towards the end of the season. And I think that we all know that this division, I think, is going to be very competitive going into the very end of the football season. Um, I think that, you know, when you look at this roster, uh, the Washington team has done a little bit of uh, revamping on their defense, especially in their secondary. Um, So that's something you could take a look at. Um, You know, and when you look at the way that they played against the Chargers last week, certainly had the other team, the Chargers had a lot of success on third down. So if you're the Giants and you can get into some manageable third downs, you might have some success because they really, they gave up 14 of 19 third downs, which by the way, you know the Washington football team has been in existence for a long, long time. That is a franchise record. <laughs> can you believe that? I mean, that's incredible that you go back so many years with that football team and then there's team, there's, there's records being broke to this day, and that's a, that's a big one, a really big one. Should I tell you why, Jeff? I watched the entire Washington game this morning. I was up at 5 a.m., and, uh, and I went through their entire game, and I don't know if I should wake up the sleeping bear. Do you want me to do it? Of course. Wake All up. right. I'll make it very simple for you. That vaunted defensive line, mm-hmm. they did a lot of sleepwalking through the first three quarters of that game. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until they started to tilt the field a little bit and the Chargers made a couple of mistakes that by the fourth quarter, even though the Chargers took the lead early in the fourth, that's when they actually started to wake up and started to get a little more pressure on, uh, on wow. Herbert. Because yeah. the truth of the matter is... That vaunted defensive line, the Chargers kept them out, not just with five, but occasionally would put a running back or a tight end into protection. It was mostly five and six-man protections. And that Washington defensive front just could not get it done. Not only could they not get not get into the backfield, they were they were giving up gaping holes in the running game. I was so unimpressed with the tape that Washington put on the field defensively against the Chargers. That game should have been at least a two- to three-score blowout. Hmm. The Chargers dominated that game. And, you know, I I had to do two spots this morning with a couple of uh, sports radio stations down in Washington. And the consensus was that Washington is, is humiliated and embarrassed by that game because they know that wasn't the kind of football that they're supposed to play. Well, I said, you know what? I think the Giants feel the same way. The Giants looked like they were in their fourth preseason game, just like Washington did. Both of these teams, in my opinion, were in a preseason malaise and did not play to their capabilities. And that's what makes this game so difficult for me to handicap because which game, which team is going to play to the back of their football cards? The Hmm. team that doesn't show up, that plays like they did last week, is going to lose. Yeah. Well, I mean, that goes for both teams, like you said. It really does. And I think when you collectively look throughout the the league this year, this week, this last week, there was a lot of teams that just didn't get off to a good start. I mean, come on. Let's think think of the one team up there in Green Bay. I mean, that was probably the worst I've ever seen Aaron Rodgers play. So there's a lot of truth to this, you know, fourth preseason game slash first regular season game. Um, I think it'll continue into the second and the third weeks as we move forward. Oh, you think the Bills were happy scoring 16 and well, losing at home to the yeah. Steelers? So you there's think a they lot of happy? similarities. There really is. However, I will tell you this. You do not want to make wake up the sleeping giant of Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, Chase Young, and Deron Payne. Do not wake them up. Keep them to sleep. That's fine for one more week. Right, right. Let them just kind of, you know, have a little hangover and just kind of, you know. But defensively, they're, they're pretty a good defense. I think that, you know, maybe some people might overrate them coming into the season. I wouldn't. I still think they're very, very talented. 
um, across the board. When you look at their their depth chart, they've got a lot, a lot of David Mayo is a guy that's on their team from the Giants last year. That you know they got a lot of good depth there. Um, but offensively, the one guy that scares me, and that and I'm going back to what happened last week against Denver in the middle of the football field. I'll just give you his first name. His name is Logan. He scares the you-know-what out of me this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, you know, he is just, what a great story he is and what a great football player. I just don't want him to get hot this week because well, I feel like he has got a chance to be really special. The Giants had a lot of trouble covering Noah Fant of the Broncos yeah. last week. And, and you know, last year the tight end was not a big deal against the Giants. After a couple of previous seasons before, sure. the tight ends had had great success. They fixed that last year. Well, they didn't fix it last Sunday. Jabril Peppers, in particular, only played about half the game and told the media yesterday he knew he played poorly. Mm-hmm. He, he was very poor in his press coverage. He didn't press like he was supposed to. He let guys escape and have too much room coming off of the line. Mm-hmm. He, he missed some recognitions. And he was – I, I, I want to be careful with the word I used here. He was very disappointed in his own play. He knew he played a very poor game. Good. He understood that. And he vowed that he would get it right because he knows he's a better player than that. But my point is, I think most of the players on both Washington and New York felt that they were better players and didn't put it on the field Sunday. I think that was across the board. I will say this, Jeff. Very, very succinctly, the Washington pass rush was pedestrian for most of the game and didn't do much. The Giants' pass protection was solid. It was good. Daniel Jones had 37 pass attempts and was only hit twice. That's terrific. So that matchup, if it is at all like it was last week, bodes well for the Giants. The Giants' run blocking was very, very poor. They didn't run it at all. Now, Washington, to be frank with you, left a lot of holes along that defensive line. They didn't necessarily do a great job of covering up the run a whole lot, to be frank, as I continue to watch the tape. Although Herbert had so much success putting it through the air that it wasn't like he needed to necessarily go to the ground. Hmm. Now, I will tell you this. When you look at the flip side, the Giants' defensive line got consistent pressure on Teddy Bridgewater. They were in the backfield all day long. The problem was they didn't finish. They only had two sacks and six quarterback hits, despite the fact that I believe the final numbers show Bridgewater actually threw under pressure something like 25 times in the game. But he was able to connect with some beautiful throws and also slithered out of the pocket as if he had butter all over his jersey. Now, I will tell you this, Heineke slithers. He has mobility. He is small, he ducks under rushes, and he's not afraid to run. What he will do when he takes the snap, he will stare down that first receiver. He will try to get rid of the ball quickly to his primary receiver. And if the primary isn't there, he's going to tuck it away and he's going to run. That can be a positive or a negative if you're Washington. The other thing to keep in mind about him is that he can be a bit erratic with his throws. Not all of his throws were very accurate, even though they wound up 11 of 15 on the completion total. Not all of his throws were razor-sharp accurate. He does tend to sell them. So those are those are the things that I saw in the tape this morning. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, feel like, I feel he's like a serviceable quarterback. I mean, I know that Ron Rivera likes him. Um, obviously, um, but you know he's he doesn't have very many starts in the NFL, and the Giants' defense should be able to to get after him and and uh, and pressure him a little bit. I mean, you can go and look what he did in that Tampa game last year in the playoffs. Played very very well, um, and that's kind of I think that's probably what you're looking at how he can play his best game is uh, what he did against Tampa last year. But uh, you know, just to go back on the the Denver game a little bit defensively. Um, well, I don't want to – just real quickly, the red zone failures continue, and, and this is something sure. that's going to have to change. Now, I don't care what you got to do. Uh, you have to be able to come up with points. Um, defensively, you know, um, the, the Denver Broncos only had one three and out, and they were three for three on fourth down, seven straight drives where they had no punts. I mean, you, that wears your defense down. And so on a hot day like it was the other day, um, that defense got a little bit tired. 
and that's what happens at the beginning of the of the season. Remember this. They only have three preseason games. You know that their conditioning level has got to improve. Every team does. So it's, it's, it's tough when you're on the field for the time of possession. They only had the ball for 24 minutes. So I think that, you know, those things come into effect, and now you're going to go and play a night game down in Washington on a short week. Your conditioning level has got to be there, and you defensively have got to get this Washington offense off the field. And offensively, you got to put some drives together, get some time of possession, and darn it, when you get into that red zone, you got to come out of there with stupid points, man. And if not, then you're, you're, this, this, you're going to be 0-2. And God forbid if this team goes 0-2 again because we know however many years it's been, I think the last five, I think, it's just, you know, you can't do that. So the Giants got to go down there. One good thing I see is that this Giants team is confident playing the Washington football team because they beat them, like you said, the last right. is at seven times. So that to me in the locker room and as, a, as, a, as an ex-player, when, I, when I'm going against a team that I know that I've, I've continuously beat, I know I have a lot of confidence that I can do that, and that's a good thing. And I want those guys to take that down, you know, down to Washington with them and, and come out of this victorious and be 1-1. One and one. And by the way, be 1-0 and oh in the division. That's the big thing for me. Sure. I, you know what I'm saying, Paul? I, 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 I would love them. I want them to be 1-1, one and one, but I want them to be 1-0 and oh in the division because however many calls we've taken over the years, and we've talked about this till we're blue in the face, we know that you've got to win this division. You've got to win, you've got to win four games, minimum. And by the way, this division is going to send one team to the playoffs, in my opinion, and it's going to be the division winner. So go win those division games. That's the easiest way. Jeff, we spent months during the offseason <laughs> saying if the Giants were going to go one and one after two, the Washington game was the one you wanted to have. Okay? So yep. l- l- that's where they are. Well, that, we're going to exactly find out. That's where they are. We are going to find out in just a little under however many hours here. So it's uh, 30 hours or something like that. Yeah. It'll be whatever. Now, I will tell you this, from talking to the Washington sports radio people this morning, uh, both of the radio stations, that they were telling me that the Washington defense is incredibly irritated because <laughs> of, of uh, well, because of what they put on tape Sunday. Sure. They know, they know that they put a real stinker on film. They know that. And they know that they are a much better team than that. But so do the Giants. You well, know, sure. so I get that the Washington football team is really ticked off and irate. Well, if I'm Joe Judge, I want to make sure that my team erupts like a volcano and spews lava in their faces. Well, I get think that... angry about it, man. Get angry. <laughs> Show some fire. Get angry and, and, and bark back at these guys. One thing that we looked at that we all were a little bit I, I, I was a little bit surprised because, you know, I it said it in our pregame show, and I think we all know that the Giants' offensive line is they, they run block. They're a very good run blocking team. Um, they didn't do that the other day. In fact, they did something opposite that we thought that they were going to not do very well, and that's the pass blocking. So if you look at this Charger-Washington matchup that last week and you kind of go and you watch the game this morning, um, that Chargers' offensive line is pretty darn good. Um, and I feel like the Giants' offensive line, and we've talked about this, they don't have to be the best in the league, but if they continue to do what they did on Sunday as far as pass protection and improve on their run blocking, then they're going to put a good game plan together, and they're going to execute, and they're going to go down and win. And I, I think that that's, that's the key to success is their offensive line this week. Just got to be functional, Jeff, because well, the Well, we've the Chargers, used that word before. Right. Absolutely. Chargers only ran for, for what was it, 20, 29 carries for 90 yards, 3.1 average, but they got the little bit of running yards whenever they needed it. It's all about the timely runs. Mm-hmm. They, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't get huge runs, but they got timely runs, and the holes and the spaces were there. Yeah. So, well, when you talk about timely, you talk about timing. It's something that Saquon and that new offensive line, it's been shifted around a little bit. They have to get some timing together, you know. So, um, it's only going to continue to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I did notice about Saquon on Sunday was that when he was going down, he was going down forward. Okay, he was a lot like. Um, you know, some of these running backs in the league where they right when they're getting ready to, down, to go down, they get that extra yard or two by by catapulting themselves forward. You know, that's a that's a good thing. And I also thought that he was per- and and I don't mean this negatively in in any way whatsoever that it, he's that he's not 100% because he is. But I could tell he was being smart. I was yes. I could tell he was being smart with the football and being smart with contact. And I think that's a good thing. 
because you know that he can get a little bit crazy sometimes with those cuts and those spins and those moves. I think until he's uh, to the point where he's used to contact and getting back in the groove of the game, I was happy to see that. Yeah. Okay, so let's continue to do that. All right, let's go to the phones. 201-939-4513 is our phone number. We go to line one. Rick is in Tampa. Your first on the program. Hello. Good. I am first. It's uh, always a pleasure, Paul. Jeff, how are you today? Good. Very good, Rick. Go, go, go Yanks. Got to throw that out there. Go yeah, a good game good. last night. They got it, it done last yep. night. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. Yep. yep. Need to win those games. Anyway, all right. I've been listening all week, listening to the comments you guys made from Lance and John and you guys, and um, I am still, and I need to get some things off my back regarding the abysmal performance of week one of the Giants. Now, I predicted a 19 to 3 game. It was 27 to 7. That last touchdown was garbage. So, in my mind, it kind of came exactly how I thought it was going to happen. Uh so I have a couple comments regarding some things that were said. One is that I hear this all the time about it's only week 1. And you know what? It's only week 1 maybe if you're the Packers or maybe the Ravens, or even the Titans for that sense, because they have a history of the last couple years of playing really good football. And you know what? It's week one. They'll turn it around. I have confidence in that. The Giants, on the other hand, it's never just week one. We've had this abysmal 0-2 start for how many, Jeff, in a row? Five years? Seven. Wasn't it, Paul? Well, there's no... The They're, Giants what? haven't in had 2016. A there was one that they wasn't it that they didn't yeah, start the, off the, the, the Giants have not had a winning record in any individual week since the 2017 season. That I can right. tell you. Now, here's okay. what I would tell you, Rick. Right. And let me make yep. one thing very clear. We all know yep. the Eagles have the worst roster in the division, right? But they destroyed right. the Atlanta Falcons, and the game that they played last Sunday is probably going to be 85 percent of their NFL Films highlight package at the end of the year. Because mm-hmm. right. they've already peaked. That's it. They've okay. peaked. Okay. For the rest right. of the season, okay. the Eagles are going downhill. So, okay. does it, you know, we're, honestly, yep. let's not overreact to the first game. Okay, that's that. The, and then I heard, oh, it's, uh, it's uh, because of perhaps, uh, you know, the, the way the defense and obviously with the offense not clicking, I'll get to that in a second, uh, there was no uh, the lack of preseason games. And that's, that's a bold, too, because we had three preseason, ga- preseason games and we played the guys for one quarter the whole time. So I don't want to hear that stuff. They should have played more. And I don't Paul, you agree with me on that. So that's that one point. I don't want to hear about that. The coach judge. You know, all this talk and everything, and I do, I love him as a coach, but come on. Uh, even he had a bonehead game with the calling the, uh, the flag and everything like that. The defense, listen, uh, first of all, and of course, uh, our offensive coordinator, the play calls were terrible as well. I'm going to put it on him too. Then uh, the offense I expected to be a little rusty. We have a lot of players coming back off of injury. I knew it would take some time. But to see the same thing with the run blocking that we've seen for the last four years was very discouraging. But I was coming into the game thinking they weren't going to click right away. Like Paul says, it could take a couple weeks, September, to get them going. But the defense, I thought, would be ready. And for them to play and to perform with the tackling and everything was so disheartening that it's like, I expected so much more, uh, despite being week one for the defense, letting wide open everywhere. It was so bad that it just made me sick. Now, the thing about going against Washington, yes, I'm gonna, the positive you said, we beat them many times. But we have a backup quarterback this, uh, with Fitz, uh, Fitzpatrick out, and the defense is going to be honorary, as you were saying. I have no confidence that the Giants will turn this around. I don't know how. And, and you said come out blazing, Paul. And I, I, What makes you really think the Giants could come out blazing against anybody? I haven't seen that in four or five years. It's, 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 so I have my confidence is so low that they would come out and win this game. And uh, Rick, I, I, Rick I, let me I help you. Let me but, help you. Um, let me help you All before right. you, you okay. jump out the window. Jeff, before you do, Rick, please lie down on the couch, <laughs> turn on the turn on the bright light, cover your eyes, and Doctor Fegels will take care of you. <laughs> I, I will give you a little bit of a little bit offensive um, feel good. Okay. 
Okay. Okay. Saquon Barkley, okay, he plays extremely well against the Washington football team. Jones, undefeated against the Washington football team, okay? It's complete. You got two guys that you need to play well that historically are going to be doing that. Now, you can discount it all you want. I understand it. I'm just trying to kind of give you a little little pep talk here. Okay. Okay? It's on the road. I understand that. And that's going to be probably, you know, difficult to win on the road as it, any NFL game usually is. But I feel like these guys can put something together. Um, I think that Saquon is just going to be getting better and better, and he's facing a team that he does extremely well with. I mean, the guy averages over, almost 200 yards, um, scrimmage yards a game for his career against this team. Okay, so I think that's a little bit better. Here's the other thing. I want to ask you this. If you talk about the Green Bays of the world and the Tennessees of the world, how they're good teams and they can kind of – they're going to warm up a little bit. Do you feel the same way about the Giants' defense? Don't you think they could have maybe a bad game because of what they put on paper for 16 games last year? Yes, yes. So yes, that should make you feel a little bit better too. So that right there, I'm just trying to maybe pep you up a little bit and maybe that will make you happy. Okay. Yeah. Who knows, that's Rick? A, that's a, and, and listening to you guys uh, in, the, in the intro, I pulled – I did – I had to say what I had to say, but I, I was listening and, and it made me think a little bit that the defense, the way they played, is not going to be the real defense because of what they put on paper the last sure. last year towards the end of the year, just like I made a comment regarding the Packers and them, who we know won't be that bad. But Yeah, uh, Rick, Rick, before we let you go, remember, Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, had warned everybody of this just a couple of days ago. He had said that I'm worried because we, we know that training camp is, is watered down. We know there's only three preseason games. We know the guys didn't play very, very much together. And there's a gelling and a chemistry, especially with his complexities, that he puts out there in the game plan. It is going to take a little bit of playing together to get that thing meshed. He, he knew it. He, he told us before the game. This I'm a little bit worried. In fact, he specifically, funny thing is, he specifically cited the run defense as what he thought might be a little bit rustier than even the pass defense. Yeah. So he mm-hmm. kind of warned you. Okay. Okay. Be well. I just got the, hey, listen, I just got the prompt as I was talking to you that obviously Evan Ingram is not going to play. No surprise there. I I I – I hate to say this, we we need him. <laughs> uh, Rudolph did in Philly. I mean, uh, we need more from that tight end. Uh, so uh, hopefully, uh, this 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 will they'll bring the win. I don't care how ugly it looks. We need to win, and if the improvements with the wide receivers because Galladay grabbing those passes is exactly what we talked about all through the summer. How he that's why they got him. Yep. Balls, that is that is why that. they went and got him. And and uh, if we could. Improve on that, then my my outlook will change. But I'm I have just these. I'm just really nervous that 0 and 2 is around the corner again, and uh, I hope that's not the case. But um, I'm going to be watching and hoping. Thanks, Rick. Keep up the good work, and I uh, look forward to hearing more comments as the show goes on. Thank you, Rick. Hey, Paul. So one thing hey, real Jeff, quickly. Real quick. Yeah. Hey, sorry for interrupting, guys, but the in, the official injury report just came out for the game I on see Thursday. It. I see. Um, it. I didn't know if you saw it, Paul. That's why. I yeah. Um, so the Giants have listed Cam Brown as out. He suffered a hamstring injury last week. Evan Ingram out with the calf injury. Not a surprise given the short turnaround. And then Shane Lemieux, I guess maybe a slight surprise. He's out with that knee injury that's been bothering him since, what, the second week of camp, I think it was, mm-hmm. Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ben Bredesen, I imagine, will probably get the start there sure. over at left guard. And Saquon Barkley limited uh, in practice, and he's listed as questionable for the okay. game on Thursday. As he was last week. And there is no one on the Washington football team injury report. That's a nice thing. Except for Fitzpatrick, who's obviously on injured reserve. But other than that, everyone's a go. You know, Um, one of the things that I wonder, Jeff, before you go uh, on to your comment, just to bleed off of this injury thing, mm -hmm. and and maybe you have a thought too, Bredesen played 44 snaps the other day compared to Lemieux 17 because Shane was unable to to really give them the full game. Um, It didn't work out so well. The, The question becomes now, do you just go back to Bredesen hoping sure. that game two would be better? Yes. Or or I'm I'm giving you an option here. Yeah. No. Or do, or one. do you give Billy Price a shot at it? Even though he is basically a center by trade, do you give him a shot at guard? Nope. 
I, I keep Bredesen in there. Um, I want to get some continuity. I, I just want to – I just, you know – I, I agree with you, by the way. I, um, I am on the same page. And I, I feel like the team is going to go that direction too. You know, one one thing I wanted to – what Rick was talking about, um, that, you know, the defense. But for this, both defenses, for this matter, Washington defense and the Giants defense are both, you know, in the top ten defenses, if you will. Yes. Here's the thing. Both of those defenses last year were very good. And sometimes, sometimes, with the age of these rosters, guys have to learn that you just cannot show up the year later and become what you were last year. And so that happens a lot, that these guys, they, they roll into the game on Sunday, the first week of the season, they feel like they can just show up and play, and, this, and they get exposed. Okay, so that, two things happen there. Number one, you get your, beat, your butt beat, and you go back in the meeting rooms and get your, your butt basically screamed at, and now you're going to have to put your tail between your legs and come out. But the, the good thing about it is that it's a one game and that you can go out on that field and correct things, but you still have the talent. It's not like I'm faking this. You just kind of went out there and, and just kind of basically walked through and thought you were, you know, you could do that, but you well, can't you, do that. You laid an egg is what you did. But you, you were overconfident. That's what you were. And yeah. I, I, you don't, there's nothing wrong with being overconfident, but when collectively everybody's overconfident and you play that way, forget about it. You're going to lose. And I think that's what happened to both teams here. I think that, that they both got a little bit, you know, overconfident that they could show up and just repeat what they were doing last year. But when you look at the Giants, you got a lot of new pieces. You got a starting new corner, left corner. Okay, you got you got a a, a rookie quarter. Uh, excuse me, Ojolari, a rookie who got a sack. Great, but you know what he also got? He also got a uh, roughing the passer penalty on a third down, and the next play was a 70-yard touchdown. So I know it was garbage time, whatever you want to call it, but it's still a learning process for that young man. Yes, you it know? is. So, anyways, I just wanted to, to comment what was Rick, and hopefully we've watched. Rick was on the ledge, Paul. He was on the ledge, yes, ready he was. to jump. And I think that we here at Big Blue Kickoff Live, that's what we do for people. We walk people off the ledge. We're okay. We're good. Rick, did come you, back. Did, did, did you give him a prescription on the way out? I thought it, I thought we gave him enough prescription from what we told okay. him. That's good enough. I'm going to help break out, too. I'm going to tell him that St. Just <laughs> and Fuller were torched by, by Herbert uh, against the Chargers last week. He had a tremendous amount of fun throwing at both of those guys. Mike Williams caught a touchdown pass in the corner of the end zone uh, where he was one-on-one against St. Just. And, and the DB, the third-round draft choice, had no chance at all. If you get him lined up against Galladay, boy, you better know where that ball's going to go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously, seriously. Sure. I mean, they, they, those two guys, they should have red lights on the top of their red helmets. Listen, I, I'm a big Giants fan, you know, and we talk about this, and we talked about uh, Kenny Galladay all of the offseason and what he brings to the table. And sure enough, the first game of the year, we see it. You look at him fight for that football on that one reception, comes up with it, okay? And then the one play he makes, he just absolutely lays out to grab mm -hmm. that ball. That is just things to come, people. That is what we are going to expect to see on a week-in and week-out basis because that's the player that they wanted, and we got him. And, and you got to be excited about this guy. I just love the way he plays. I love his demeanor. I love his honesty, how he goes out and just tells you the way it is. And I, I just – Daniel Jones and him, and, and by the way, kudos to Sterling Shepard. The guy just continues to play, to play, to play his butt off. And if he can stay healthy, and it looks like he will because of just the way he came into shape this year in training camp, not to say he's never done that before, but just he looks like he just was on a, just on a mission he in training camp Psychologically, this year. he has adjusted some things a little bit with yeah. his mental approach. Good. And he, what do you have? His 10th 100-yard game of his career last weekend. And I don't know. Giants fans should go on uh, the website, and I, you know, I don't know exactly where it's at. And John will be able to cut in here and let us know. But I watched the coaches' tape with Joe Judge breaking down that touchdown that Sterling Shepard made, mm -hmm. and how the coaching points and how how they do things at practice to to uh, to kind of simulate game situations, and then it shows up on a game how he makes that touchdown because. He basically baited the defender into buying him a couple extra yards to get in the end zone. So it's really a great piece. And, well, it always is a great piece. I mean, Joe Judge doing that coach's uh, chalk talk thing is just you're mesmerized by listening to this guy speak. I know. It's, it's pretty impressive. My suspicion, Jeff, is that the 
Washington red team will put Jackson on Galladay because he's got a little more size and experience and he's a he's a more accomplished corner. Mm-hmm. If they stick him to Galladay, that means Slayton and Shepard get to go against St. Just and Fuller. Mm-hmm. Um, my goodness, that's where I am carving them to ribbons. St. Shepard, Shepard and Slayton should take advantage of those two guys just like the Chargers did. Folks, uh, don't miss out on the uh, return of Giants football. The 2021 season is now underway, but there's still time to secure your season tickets and root on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with a Giants ticket rep now and become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. Don't forget, on September 26th, you can watch the Giants for Tyler Eli Manning's jersey in style. We have exclusive suite packages, including Eli bobbleheads, jerseys, T-shirts, and more. To speak with a rep, call 888-NYG-1925 and select option 4 and... Don't forget, the Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State and throughout the metropolitan area. People who are not fully vaccinated are at greater risk from COVID-19. Protect yourself. Get vaccinated. Visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated or talk to your health care provider. We go back to the phones at 201-939-4513. And we've got Jason from New Haven. You're next on the program. Hello. All right, can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. All right, we got you. For taking my call. Thank you for taking my call. So, um, I usually am the one to stay positive about the Giants. Uh, as I said, I've been watching the Giants since I was like five years old. But I do have two things that were a little bothersome to me. I was at the game on Sunday, um, and the energy was live. It was good to see all the fans back. It was a dope experience again. But my question more is for Jason Garrett, the play caller. Maybe you guys can educate me. Um, there are two things that I feel like Daniel Jones is really good at, um, and that's RPOs and a deep ball. Yet we really didn't see any of that in week one, except for that one he threw to Slayton down the sideline after uh, Denver went offside. Um, I don't understand if we have a quarterback that really does those two things well. Um, why it wasn't incorporated a little bit more in the game. Maybe you guys could tell me. I mean, maybe I was missing something watching the game, but I was saying to a friend of mine, like, we were a, we didn't run any RPOs um, or, or we didn't move the pocket a lot. Um, and granted, our O-line did pretty decent on pass protection, if I may say so. So can you guys tell me what – am I wrong in my assessment there why I didn't really see those two things that our quarterback is really good at? And maybe I'm wrong. I'm just trying to get some. I I will say this. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen some more deep shots. I had a couple of points in mind where I would love to have tried to throw the ball deep. So I can understand your feeling there. And the other thing that that I will say, I won't say uh, upset me, but kind of made me scratch my head a bit. Even though Galladay played 85% of the plays, and I get it, he didn't have a full training camp. In fact, he didn't get to practice a whole ton. He did play in 85% of the plays. Jeff, if I'm the Giants, I got to target Galladay at least eight to ten times every single game, don't I? Yeah, I mean, you at least want to. Um, but, you know, again, we, t- we talk about this all the time. We, we don't know what's called the line of scrimmage. We don't know what change calls or, you know, plays that are changed. True. So, I mean, we could go to the line and that play was made for, uh, you know, the first read was Kenny and all of a sudden they're in a coverage that it's not going to work. And, you know, I got to go to a check down and go to something else. So I just think it's just the ebb and flow of the game, guys. I really do. In fact, it works the sure. other way, too. Sometimes Galladay isn't the first read, and the next thing you know, he gets a play and scores a touchdown. So there's a lot that goes into it. I wish we had, you know, the green dot on our head and we could hear all the plays and stuff, but we don't. So it's hard to – but you're not you're not wrong in your – in your, um, you know, you're looking at the game, and you're not wrong. I mean, it is what it is. Right. And um, I will agree with you. Galladay was our big time free agent um, pickup. Um, now I know the offense has to spread the ball around. We have Bark. We have we have good targets, but you gave Galladay all that money, and like I agree with you, you got to try to not force feed him the ball because that's how interceptions happen. But you kind of got to look for him a little more. He is our number one receiving option. I know Shepard had a big day. He was wonderful. I loved how he played. He played with passion. But Galladay's the guy you give that money to. He kind of has to be the one you have to. 
as far as the passing game sends around him. I have one more point. And I'll oh, make hold on. I want to just comment real quickly. So let's let, let's look at this, okay? Let's not let's go away from our other our team here. Let's just go to another team where your number one receiver is X, okay? Um, and the other team does a good job covering your number one receiver. What happens? Somebody else is going to have a good game. Shepard right. had over 100 yards receiving. So you got to kind of look at it that way too sometimes, okay? So, right. you know, and I don't know, I don't want to pay all this money for a wide receiver that we go out in free agency to be a decoy. I, I get what you're saying. Eventually you're going to have to get the ball to him, but sometimes it just doesn't work out. And as long as you can share right. the wealth and, uh, and you can, you know, get on the winning side of things with your other receiver having 100 yards receiving, I'm okay. But not every right. week. Yes, yes. Uh, I'll make my last point try as quick as, quick as I can. Um, like I said, I was at the game um, Sunday, and I must admit. Hello? Okay. He admitted he was at the game. Uh, I, think, <laughs> I think we ran into that phone company time limit again, Jeff. <laughs> Let, let's go back to Lee in Atlanta on line Hello, one. Hello, Lee in Atlanta. You're next on the show. Hello. Hey, Paul. Hey, Jeff. Hi. Hi. Hey, guys. Hey, I'm, I'm out of market. So I get to follow you guys online, and I listen to the games when I can. And Bob great. and Carl do a great job, yeah. Um, to piggyback off of, I guess, Rick and I guess most of the fan base, when you listen to the games, and Bob does a great job, but I know things are bad when you listen to Bob do the games, Mr. Papa do the games. And his voice is so devoid of any kind of enthusiasm when he's describing the plays. And I, it's just watching the game, you might be able to see certain things, but when you listen to the game and you just hear play calls, and all I could hear after every drop back was complete, 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 converted, converted, complete. It just felt like we couldn't do anything. And then I listened to you guys, and you guys go over the stats, and they said, well, yeah, the Giants were in the backfield, and they did this, and they did that. But during the games, when it matters – and practice is one thing, and stats are great, but when it matters and you cannot make plays when they need to be made, it's, it's, it's dejecting, especially for fans. And um, another point that was made, and I had a lot of things when I listen to you guys all the time. I don't get to always call because usually I'm at work at this time. But you guys like to say things don't carry over. All those 0-2 starts, we can't blame that on Joe Judge, new coaching staff, new players. But the one thing that doesn't change is the fans don't change. We stay with the team no matter what. So we remember everything, and it accumulates with us. So we cannot help but have this history of, of, of futility in the beginning of these seasons where mm-hmm. it seems like every year we start slow and we dig a hole, and every week, too, is a must-win game. And instead of going into a division game saying, oh, let's beat the Redskins, this is how better we are, like we used to years ago, we go into these games, oh, this is how Washington can beat us. This is how Taylor Heineke, we got to be so aware of what he's doing. Not, you know, oh, this is how we're going to attack this team, and Carter coming off the edge, and Williams and Daniel Jones is worried and operating from a place of, of fear and worry. And it's just, it, it wears on fans, it wears on me. And I don't know much else to say. What do you guys think about that? I, listen, I, 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 think you're, I think you're right. I mean, the fans, uh, just show me the, show me, the proof's in the pudding, right? I mean, you gotta, you got to play better. you got to win. Um, and a fan, you have every right to, to react the way that you do. Um, and we here on this program, we try to tell you a little bit of both ways, right? We try to take the good and the bad. Um, we're just trying to give you guys some information to take into the game for your learning and just understanding. Um, but, you know, we don't know it all. But the fact is that the players got to play better. And you as fans, got to you have to demand that. And um, you have the right to do it. So keep, keep, uh, keep rooting on. And, you know, hopefully they, they can turn this stuff around because there are some times we try to, we try to look at the glasses half full as we can. We try to pull out things in the games that were good. Um, we certainly can sit there and talk about a lot of things that were bad. But, you know, we're not all about that here. We want to try to talk about some good things. And you guys have the right to talk about whatever you want. And I think that you have the privilege to do that, really. You know, Jeff, it is really a game of inches, and they always say that four or five plays could swing an entire 100%. game. 
Look at it this way from the Giants' perspective defensively. They allowed two scoring drives by the Broncos last Sunday um, on on drives that, in all honesty, were within a fraction of an inch of not happening. For example, early in the game, Xavier McKinney goes down the Giants' sideline on a long pass and knocks that ball away where it could have easily had been intercepted. But instead, he only has a pass defensed. He picks off that pass. That drive doesn't finish, and the Broncos don't get those three points. Later on in the game, uh, when Judy went down on the fumble, Logan Ryan punched that football out, and Judy got badly injured. Well, they replayed it, and they said, oh, no, 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 knee touched the ground. And, in fact, I know from one of the angles it did clearly show his knee had touched the ground a fraction of a second before Ryan punched the ball out. But – You know, that's how close that was to being a Giants forced fumble, fumble recovery, which would have eliminated another Broncos touchdown. So they were literally an inch away on two different plays from taking 10 points off the board. And then, of course, you know, the Broncos could also say that, you know, they had a bomb thrown that was dropped where the you know the defensive back was like 3 yards behind the wide receiver and and that should have been a gimme touchdown. So teams are always going to have these plays where they were razor thin away from changing the complexion of the game. Now, the only thing I would say to to uh, to our caller and some of our other callers who are probably really down about what had happened is, look, from a defensive perspective, we know the Giants' talent. We know the guys they have on the roster. We know how they can play because we've seen it for a full season. We know what Patrick Graham is. We all respect him immensely as a defensive coordinator. And even though that Bridgewater escaped and made some great throws and the Giants had a couple of big turnover plays that they were just an inch short on. You know what? Yeah, that stinks. I get that. But those other factors should all kind of make you feel a little bit better. It's not like they went out there, gave up 35 points, and were nowhere near the quarterback, nowhere near making any turnovers, and just got totally dominated. How do you think the Falcons feel after they let the Eagles eat them for lunch? Okay? They should be the ones right now saying they're drag. Okay, the Falcons right now, after that game, they're drag. They should feel miserable. The Giants should be angry because they didn't live up to their potential. Yeah, you could look at you could look at on the flip side of it too. On games that you do win, you could look at some of the game, some of the plays that they could have happened where they they lose the game too. You know, in particular, it always works both ways. In particular, the game last year against Washington, the two point conversion. I mean. That's that's one play away from winning or losing a football game right there. Sure. You know? Although I still think the replay official gave the Washington team an interception on the back end of the end line, which I don't agree with. I thought that was a very poor replay call. Anyway, uh, we go back to the phones. Uh, Jason did have one last point he wanted to make before we lost him before, so we'll give him about 30 seconds. All go right, ahead, Jason. Thanks for taking me. All right. Yeah, I was, just, I was saying I was very disappointed in the um, defense but I think we could. I think the defense turn around on Thursday. Uh, on offense, what I'm looking for on Thursday, I saw we saw a lot of. They can't abandon the run so quickly either. There was a lot of times I saw a second and five, and we ran a lot of no set backs. Run the ball down these teams' throat. We're not at the point where we could throw the ball 40 times and be successful. So I want to see more Penny. I want to see more Gillespie. I want to see more three tight end sets. And uh, go Giants for tomorrow night. And thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Thank you, Jason. Line two, Jeff from Maine. You're next on the show. Hello. Hello, Jeff. Yes. Hey, guys. Uh, so uh, I got, I'd like to go against the grain a little bit here. I've, I've got a shockingly optimistic prediction about the offensive line. Okay. I um, like that. <laughs> I, I think that it will be one of the best in all football in the next year or two, and I've got three reasons why. Wow. All right. Everyone bemoans the fact that the Giants didn't run the ball well last game. But I don't think I heard anyone mention the fact that Shane Lemieux hardly played and uh, that he played at all as a testament to his toughness. 17 mm-hmm. snaps. No. We told you about that earlier. Right. Yeah. Okay. But now when, when the Giants run the ball, uh, when the Giants ran the ball better during the second half of last year, he was a big reason why. And as he recovers from his injury and plays more, I think the Giants will start running the ball better and better. Okay. So that's point number one. Point number two 
the, the knot line needs a little time to play together and gel. And when this happens, they will naturally improve. And then their ace in the hole, I think, is that there are four draft picks in the first two rounds of a better-than-average draft next year, and the two we got from Chicago could be quite high. You know, we've already loaded, we're already loaded with skill players, so we could get two or three of the best offensive line in the entire draft, which would provide great depth, but also a, a plug-and-play starter to have needed. Then toward the end of the year, after they've had a chance to gel, they would be playing at a level as high as anyone uh, they could be, and hopefully on a drive to win the Super Bowl. Anyway, that's my shocking prediction. Uh, thanks for taking my call. You're and welcome. with that, I'll kick Thank it back you, to Jeff. you, gentlemen. Could you kindly tell me what you've had for lunch? I need to get some of it. <laughs> Confidence pills. GNC, you go grab them. They're on thank, the top thank shelf. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, yeah, uh, he was certainly looking far down the road. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate the optimism. I, I don't know what else to say to that. So we go to line one where Doug is on the line, and he would like to converse on BBKL. Hello. Hi, Doug. Hello. We're here, Doug. How are you guys? Good. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Daniel Jones and Paul Brandt, not hear that, but I remember when the New York Giants wasted a, a supplemental draft pick on Dave Brown, and the next draft is where they got Michael Strahan, and the only difference I see between Dave Brown and and and, and uh, Daniel Jones is that Daniel Jones is more elusive and can run, but in this last game, he was telegraphing, 90% of his throws, those defensive backs had time to knock, at least knock the ball away, even if the receivers were temporarily open. He did not look off the, his primary receiver once, and there's no way that we're going to win games if he can't correct that. I don't want to pick on anybody, especially because, you know, Dave Brown was a really good guy, but he did not have nearly the arm that Daniel Jones has. And he also had a very strong propensity for throwing more interceptions than Daniel Jones has shown. So I would respectfully disagree with you. They are not nearly the same quarterback. Jeff? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. Done. A lot, a lot more upside to Daniel Jones. Not even close. He's not even gotta, close. We just got to get there. Thanks for the call, Doug. 201-939-4513 is our phone number here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Again, you can always hit us up as well at hashtag Giants Chat. Um, one thing that was, was again, I've talked about it before in the show, but I want to I mention this again to you, Jeff, because I do think it's important. Heineke is a very good athlete. He is small. He ducks under rushes. He loves to pull the ball down and, and take it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't see that his first guy's there. Oh, he panics, tucks the damn thing away, and starts running. Well, with the kind of elusiveness and athleticism that he has, Mm -hmm. the way that the Giants failed to finish their quarterback pressures last week, my goodness, you think it was frustrating not getting Bridgewater to the ground? It's going to be harder to get this guy to the ground. To me, that is the easiest way for Washington to win this game is to rely on Henneke to extend plays, to make plays with his feet, because the Giants simply did not finish their rushes to the quarterback. They've got to finish those rushes tomorrow night. They do that, they're walking away with a win. There's no doubt in my mind. But if they don't do that, Henneke is going to just frustrate the hell out of them. Yeah. Well, I mean – you hear Carl talk about it all the time with gap integrity and, and, you know, you got to just, you know, this is all about doing your job and not trying to do more than that. And I think that you got to be able to, to be where you're supposed to be and not get out of position um, and be able to keep him uh, a scrambling quarterback. You want to be able to take that outside edge and keep it there. And that way, if he's going to go inside, that's where everybody's at. So, and if he makes it through there, God bless him. But you do not want to take that inside rush with no help on the outside and he just gets out because the play breaks down he rolls out and what happens he's got a two-way he can throw it or run it and those and it puts a lot of pressure on the corners and the safeties to be able to come up and try to make a play on a runner when all of a sudden they leave their responsibility on the receiver and he dumps the ball down so it's it's very important as it goes back to that defensive line and their rush integrity and what they have to do on a on a on a scrambling quarterback it's so so important 
But I agree with you. You can't let him get outside the pocket because he'll make plays. And he's fast. He's agile. He's athletic. And um, and he's not afraid to, to run the football. So, not at all. In no. fact, I think he kind of wants to, to be frank yeah. with you. And I think that Ron Rivera, I think that's what he likes in him. Uh, I think he likes that, that aspect of him. I know that they don't want him to do it all the time, but I think that they that Ron likes the way that he, you know, I think that he plays. Um, but with that reckless abandon. But you can't survive in this league by doing that 17 weeks. There's no way. All right, back to the phones. Line two, we have Marcus from Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, Hello. Marcus, my hometown. Hey, how, how you, you doing? guys doing? Good. Good. Hey, um, I just want to make one statement, and then I have a question. Um, statement, optimism. I think Daniel Jones took some hits in the preseason and in the game in the pocket and held on to the ball which is a huge improvement from getting hit and just dropping the ball. Mm-hmm. But my, my question is, is growing up when, you know, we would talk about building teams to, to win their division, not just beat other teams, but first you have to build teams that can win your division. Right. Do you feel like we're building a team that can beat the Cowboys and the Eagles and the Washington team on a consistent basis? And I'll keep good taking that off the air. Thank really good question. Yeah, I like I like the way that you frame that too, because you know a lot of people don't really realize that that that's kind of what the, you know the the outlook of your building your team is. You're right. How do you get to the playoffs? You win your division, so you want to you know those six games are important. Um, and I think that the Giants, you know, I think they're they're matching up as far as their receivers. You look at the Dallas Cowboys, you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, and now you look at even the Washington Redskins. They have a slew of really good receivers. So in this league, being a passing league, uh, I think they're matching up pretty good with that. Well, what's on the flip side of that, Paul? you got to have good defensive players, right? you got to have good defensive backs to cover these guys. Um, and then you got to have an offensive line to protect. So, um, And I didn't even mention the running game. Um, but I think I think the Giants are getting there. How about you, Paul? Well, I, I've said this many times, and I believe you've also uh, you know, seconded it for me, Jeff. The Giants have the best balance in the division amongst the three units, sure. offense, defense, and special teams. Yeah. They have the best balance. They are either the first or second rated team in each of those three categories. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that, that gives them the best balance, right. which means they should be the favorites to win this division. But they still got to get out there and play to the level that they're supposed to play. Well, I don't know if they're the favorite this year to win the division. But, I mean, because I got to look – I look at the quarterback play, okay? And I think that's where I have to go to first. And I think the Cowboys have the best quarterback in the division. And then I think that they're – you know, their surrounding cast, their offensive line, and I think they're, they're, they're to me, are, are – are, and by the way, they proved it the way they played against Tampa that – that first game of the season. Now you are the best offense in the division, but I would say to you, I still think the Giants very well are the second best offense in the division. Washington's offensive line is no better than the Giants. Yeah. In fact, no, they I'll were worse in pass protection last Sunday. But I don't know. If and I I'm not go... sold on Philadelphia. I'm but not. Listen, Paul, I, 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 I kind of respectfully disagree with the offense being the second best. This team averages 17 points a game. How can this team be second best in offense? Well, on paper, I did not see I did not see anything <laughs> on, on paper. I didn't see anything on paper or on tape that made me fearful of Washington's offense. Uh, and I think what we saw from Philadelphia this past Sunday was a mirage. Yeah, well, I we'll don't see. think they're legit. We'll see. Yeah, we I will. mean, offense. Their offense for Washington. I mean, Terry McLaurin is, is is as good as it gets. I mean, he is so solid. That guy. Um, you know, you're, you you're look- selling Galladay short. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not going. I'm just going to tell you what I'm thinking about the offense. So when you go talk about the offense, I, I there that doesn't doesn't really, it doesn't really get. It's not sexy, right? I mean, I, I think that's it. So I would agree with you offensively. The Giants on paper are better. Okay, um, the Eagles. I think that they're. Yeah, it might have been a mirage, but I, on paper, I may you may I don't know. I just it's just hard to say. It really is. Until this until this team starts scoring more points. I mean, I, I know it's, it's they got to prove it. They got to prove it. I mean, look at all the time they just to, to get into that red zone. And I don't know what happens. Maybe we should stop talking, calling it the red zone and call it the green zone. Like the coach Coughlin used to call it, you know, maybe that'll change some things. Look, I've got no problems. And you've heard because me it say is a this. red zone. It's yeah. a red light is what it is. Yeah. But you've heard me <laughs> say this before. I've got no problems attacking the end zone from the 25. And I'm not trying to be funny. 
You get to the 30, you get to the 25, you throw the ball to the goal line. Throw the ball deep, go for the touchdown from the 25 or the 30. Don't even wait till you get into the red zone. Well, the penalty might be your best play down there. You never know sometimes. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not being sarcastic about that. Well, I'm what's just wrong saying. with completeing the pass from the 30? We know Daniel not, Jones is one of the best. There's not a problem completing the right? pass. I'm just saying, if you if you take the shots down the field like you're saying, sometimes yeah. the, the yellow flag is, a, is your sure. best completion. Sure. And we know that Daniel Jones has had tremendous success throwing the ball deep. So take shots at the end zone when you get to the 30. Don't whittle your way and inch your way down to the 15 where all of a sudden you've had trouble for the last three years. Right? <laughs> Right. Right. Sometimes the smartest avenue is avoiding the problem. Anyway, that's all we got for today, Jeff. Pretty good stuff. That was fun. It was animated. On the eve of another game already. So. There you go. Jot down the number, folks. Uh, Big Blue Kickoff Live is here every weekday, 12.30 p.m. to 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. 201-939-4513. Our team of rotating hosts will be here to sit you down on the couch, take your phone calls, and try to make you feel better, if at all possible. And if not, well, then there's nothing else we can do for you. You can also hit us up at hashtag Giants Chat. He is at Jay Fiegels. I am at Giants WFAN. This has been Big Blue Kickoff Live. It's part of the Giants Podcast Network. You can catch it on podcast platforms everywhere and at Giants.com slash podcasts. Jeff, enjoy the game tomorrow. I will, Paul. Thank you. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time.